Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the Live to 110 podcast. My name is Wendy Myers, and you can learn more about me at live to 110.com. Today, we have Ronnie Landis on the podcast today. He's going to be talking about adaptogenic herbs and uh, mushrooms and hormones, uh, detoxification, and a lot of really, really interesting tips on the show today to promote longevity and hormonal balance. And we uh, we had a really interesting conversation. We went in depth about um, some some like autophagy and some some issues uh, when you're trying to fast and so, some a lot of really good biohacks on the show today. So tune in, you're really, really gonna enjoy the show. But before we get into it, we have to do the disclaimer. Please keep in mind this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in anything that we suggest today on the show. Please go check out my book on Amazon. It's called Limitless Energy, How to Detox Toxic Metals to End Exhaustion and Chronic Fatigue. And I suffered for several years from chronic fatigue where I just didn't feel my best. I didn't have severe fatigue or anything like that, but I just had low energy levels and I I just didn't feel quite right and I had brain fog. And I, I began detoxing and I made a lot of headway, but it was really when I discovered how to detox metals that cause fatigue, that actually poison enzymes that transport nutrients into our mitochondria that make our body's energy is when I really took my health and my energy levels to the next level. And so that's what I talk about in my book, Limitless Energy, which you can get on Amazon. There's lots of tips and tricks and strategies and biohacks in the book to help you improve your energy levels. Our guest today, Ronnie Landis, is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. His work focuses on enhancing the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. With well over a decade of devoted study and application to the fields of optimizing the body, mind, and spirit, uh, union through combining the universal principles of you are what you think about you and you are what you eat. Ronnie believes that in order to truly manifest our dreams, we must first embody them in a healthy, hormonally balanced and disease-free body. After all, it is excruciatingly difficult to maintain an attitude of gratitude in a pain-stricken body. We talk about that today on the show. Ronnie seeks to share his knowledge and teachings with hundreds of thousands of people around the world through his books, podcasts, online courses, YouTube TV show, events, seminars, and retreats. You can learn more about Ronnie at RonnieLandis.net. Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Super excited to be here. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into health? Okay, sure. Um, Yeah, it's a bit of a story, so I'll be as concise and to the point as possible. So I think it's relevant to say that from the age of four, I was raised as a martial artist and as an athlete. And that's a big kind of part of my backstory, which led me into the work I do now in the nutrition and holistic health and really the human potential field. Really, my focus is human potential in all of its forms. But then I use the model of health and nutrition kind of as my vehicle for 
expanding human potential. And so I was raised as a martial artist and a high-performing athlete. I was paralleling two careers in both taekwondo and basketball at similar and different points in my life. And then when I was 19 years old, I had my first knee surgery. And that was the first time that I had a physical injury that like took me out of my practice where I couldn't really work through my internal blockages, whether they're emotional or mental, like in the gym. That would be the the way that I would medicate stuff going on in my life is I'd go to the gym and work it out. And so at that point, I had to really readjust my approach to my life, and I had to actually learn to heal myself. Um, and as you know, and many people listening to this know, when you're younger, you have more growth hormones, your, hor- your hormones as a whole are more topped up, your, your healing factors in your body are more immediate, so you can get away with a lot more, right? And I realized that was the first time I was really sidelined. And so as I was going through this new kind of experience, I started to research nutrition a little bit more. I started to research rehabilitation for exercise, corrective rehabbing, corrective um, exercise for my knees, for my hips, for my ankles. That's how I started to learn about the body as a whole, like as a whole system outside of just my activity. And then just one thing led to another where I started getting really interested in nutrition and I wanted to increase sports performance. So I started to get into kind of like learning about organic food. I mean, that was like where it started. I mean, I grew up on the standard American diet just like everybody else. I probably ate like every food allergen, every processed food. Like like it's amazing that I'm alive. (laughs) I think back on like how I was brought up. It's it's truly astounding what this human body can mitigate in spite of in spite of us, really. Um, so that was like kind of the first thing. I was like, okay, well, like let's start looking at whole food. That makes sense. And then I started getting into organic food. I started getting into um, grass fed meats and like raw dairy products and and that kind of opened my eyes and then eventually this is year this is like over the progression of a few years i got into vegetarianism and i got into raw food and it was like that was like when my whole world got broken open i had no idea about any of this i mean that whole idea of like raw living food like that that was a mind bender to me cuz i i to me like at that point I barely knew what a vegetable was. So, it, <laughs> you know, other than what, what was like in a can or what was on my pizza. And so that like really transformed my consciousness from a food awareness level. And then I went through my own healing process. And a long story short, I had another knee injury a couple years later. And I had aching, aches and pains from all my athletic training. And when I was 23, I think it was, I really got into um, raw food, like plant-based food, like fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, and the very basic stuff. And I got into like superfood smoothies and green vegetable juices. And it, it just like really affected me so deeply that I just went all in. And I told, I thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if I just went like on completely raw food. I went vegan and I want to see what's actually going to happen to my body. And lo and behold, 30 days later, my body was completely healed. 
And this is an important point to the message that I try to convey to people about the healing process is that I got to a place where I forgot that I was ever in pain. And so there was a moment where I, uh, I used to run about five miles every single day, traditionally, like, you know, like three, four, five miles a day as part of one of my three workouts a day. And there were a couple of years after my injury where I couldn't really run anymore because I, w- I was very scared. Like I had this thing in my head where I was like, oh, like I really wanted to, but I was scared to re-injure myself. So I kind of just lived with that fear. What was really interesting after that 30-day mark, and I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. I was just kind of naturally guided to this. I went to, I, I, I think I was just possessed or something. Like I drove to this this park where there's this huge five-mile roundabout hill that I used to run growing up, and I just found myself running it, and I came back, and it dawned on me after, like, the, the, the endorphins kicked off or something, like, it dawned on me. I was like, whoa, wait a minute, what just happened? Like, I just realized I just ran five miles, and I'm, I'm just like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. I started bouncing around. I started checking my knees, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm out of pain. And that was the moment that everything changed for me. That was the moment I realized like there was something really powerful here for me. And that's when I switched out from just being an athlete. And I was really guided to actually start sharing this message of, of natural foods and health and, and the, and healing and, and the possibilities for our life when we actually allow ourselves to get out of pain and, and and that's just an important point that I, I try to get across to people that I speak to nowadays because I feel like the biggest distraction in our world, and we're 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 in a world of like mass distractions, and the biggest distraction is our pain, the pain that we feel in our body, the aches and pains, and the chronic inflammation, and the joint pain, and the the, the candida or the brain fog or whatever people are dealing with, it's like this constant reference of discomfort that's actually distracting us from our purpose. And um, so my, my whole work really, I think, um, philosophically is about helping people forget that they were ever in pain to begin with so they can actually get on to what they're meant to do in the world. That's such a good point, uh, because I think that there's so many people, everyone listening can completely relate to that, including myself, is that we all just want to move away from pain and experience pleasure. And you have a hard time fulfilling your life purpose when uh, you don't feel well, you have low energy and brain fog or you're in pain. So I I really, really like that. Um, So we're going to talk today about uh, physical aging and detoxification and, and cellular cleansing and things like that. It's my favorite topics. So let's talk about some of the underlying causes um, of physical aging. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, as you know, it's such a big topic. So um, I guess, I guess the best place for me to start is from the, from the bottom up, meaning like the basics. And then some of the, my favorite topics about this lead into the conversation about hormones. It leads into this conversation about calcification, which according to my studies and my estimation over studying it the last five or six years is the underlining causal mechanism behind inflammation, which is definitely something we have to put a little bit of a spotlight on. But um, the place to start on this, I think, 
is just the very basics of like, how do we live our life? What are the basic modes of operation, if you will, that we're going about our life? And what I mean by that is, what are we thinking? What's going on in our emotional life? Meaning what are the different types of like emotional turbulences or stresses that we're constantly entertaining? And then how can we, how can we move out of our internal discomfort or our internal pain, if you will, um, by way of what we eat and how we, how we organize our lifestyle. And that to me, and I bring that up because I always take a little bit of a metaphysical or spiritual perspective to the physical experiences that we're having. You know, if you study Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or the shamanic wisdom of different traditions, medicine traditions, they always speak about the physical, like the physical symptom is a manifestation of internal conflict. So if we have inner conflict in our life, meaning like we're really not in alignment with what our goals are or our values or our purpose, then no matter really what we do, like supplementally or, or food or anything, it's not, it's, it's going to at best be medication. It's going to medicate an internal conflict or it's going to, or I should say it's going to help it's going to help us feel better. But if we don't deal with the underlining causes of our own, I guess you could say existence, if you will, um, what are we here to do? Like, what do we really love? That's that's the way I'd like to say it to lead into this. Getting in alignment with what we love to do and find ways in our life to only do what we love to do is as crazy as that might sound to everyone listening. But that's the possibility I'm always searching for is like, how can I at every turn how can I delegate things off my table that are not in alignment with what I love but need to get done um, and start to focus on my highest priority actions for my day? And I found by doing that, it actually causes a lot less stress. It reduces my stress. Therefore, I actually feel better. My breathing is less shallow. I'm less stressed and I actually feel better in my body. So I, I know for some people that might be a little bit of a stretch, um, but, that's, but that's where things like meditation come in, right? That's where things like yoga can come in, things like um, uh, depending on if someone's more masculine or feminine orientated, they might gravitate towards yoga or they might gravitate towards weightlifting or, or some form of exercise. I always think of exercise like an exorcism, like for exercising certain emotions out of us. Um, and then things like infrared saunas and, and um, cryotherapy and all that great stuff that I'm sure guests on your talk, your show talk a lot about. So I feel like I just want to get that kind of thing out of the way. Um, and then and then yeah, so just going into more of the the I guess the mechanics or strategies for this. Um, so I guess I'll start from this place. There's two things that I've identified in my studies that we know empirically about physical aging. And there's a lot of theories and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of really good theories and there's a lot of almost complications about longevity. But the two things that I that I've learned for sure that I practice more and more um, are calorie restriction and cellular cleansing. These are the two things that have been figured out and synthesized as the two main 
kind of causal mechanisms of longevity of the physical body. So let, let's just start there. Um, when it comes to uh, calorie restriction, I think it's a very interesting conversation because there's a huge conversation going on right now about intermittent fasting. And I, I'm sure you've probably had a lot of people on your show talk about this, like a very popular topic. And it's something that I've been practicing for maybe seven or eight years, but I didn't know it until recently. Like the last two years, it dawned on me that this is what I've been doing. Um, when I got, so when I got into living food, what I mean by that is just um, a plant-based type of lifestyle of food that's predominantly in an uncooked, unprocessed state fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, seaweed, um, sauerkrauts, fermented vegetables, different types of superfoods and tonic herbs and, and that kind of thing. When I got into that, what I noticed started happening with me is that I started getting on more liquid-based nutrition. So I started eating more water-based food, like vegetables in my salad. I started to realize like, oh, wait a minute, like all this food has a lot of water in it. So I'm actually becoming more hydrated as I consume this type of this type of like nutrition strategy, if you will. And then I started drinking a lot more water. And this is all leading. I'm kind of nonlinearly leading us all into my train of thought that I want to get us all onto. Um, I started drinking more superfood smoothies. And what ended up happening is that. I started just adopting a liquidarian type of approach or like, <laughs> like just naturally it just started happening. And so what I realized recently is that I've been doing some kind of form of, of intermittent fasting unconsciously. And it basically looks like this. It looked like I drink about one and a half liters of spring water every morning. That's the first thing I do. I, I nature solution to pollution is dilution. So it's and people ask me this question all the time. They're like, "Why do I need to drink water in the morning?" It's like, "Okay, okay wow, geez, like okay, like <laughs> we need an explanation of that." So yeah. it's like actually, it's because we live in a toxic world. And we need to actually dilute all the toxins that are coming up to the surface in our blood and our lymph and in our, our detoxification systems. And we need to dilute all that, that concentrated toxicity so it can get purged out of the body. And then we need to hydrate ourselves. Like the number one principle of health is hydration. And, and if we're not hydrated, then everything starts to break down. We're not as lubricated, so we're not healing as effectively. Our brain doesn't work as effectively, um, so on and so forth. So I started drinking one and a half liters of water every morning, and then eventually I'll migrate into like maybe an herbal tea or a green vegetable juice. And then eventually later in the day, I would migrate into like a like a superfood smoothie, like a protein, like a plant-based protein smoothie or something. And then eventually we would find ourselves to eating like um, a green leafy salad with like quinoa or sweet potato or whatever my, my thing is for that night, whatever my craving is. We'd have a solid meal and I might snack on nuts and seeds or something throughout the day. So I'm just kind of giving that basic idea of where I came to now bridging that conversation with the question about um, 
uh, longevity and healing. When it comes to calorie restriction, what we do know about everybody in the blue zones of the world, which is the centarians, the, the longest living people in different sectors of the world, we call those the blue zones. And those are just areas to, to um, show where the, the longest living or the most centarians, people that have lived past 100 years, um, reside. There's a few interesting commonalities that show up when you start studying um, these different cultures. One is that they all have a spring water source of some sort, or they have a high quality well water source. So they're getting water as close to the aquifer in nature as possible. And then they're eating, they're basically eating their own natural, um, either indigenous or cultural diet. So they're eating food that is as close to nature as they can procure it, right? And for all these cultures, pretty much, uh, you know, they're eating a high mineral mineral concentrated diet, right? Um, it's of whole foods, and then they all they all basically have a calorie restricted diet compared to the Western diet. So what I mean by that, what I'll I'll, I'll say to simplify that is, <clears throat> if we can adopt a type of nutrition strategy that's high in nutrients but lower in calories, then what ends up happening is we achieve a type of metabolic mastery, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm laying out for people and sharing my own experience is that when we start incorporating high concentrated, high mineral and nutrient concentrated foods, and they're lower, they're lower in the overall calories, what ends up happening is that our body starts to metabolize these things a lot quicker, and we don't actually need as much calories as we thought before. And that can go in a longer conversation about like the calorie theory or the calorie myth. Um, but the basic idea is that when we apply the principles of intermittent fasting or even cyclic fasting, what ends up happening is that our, not only will, all, will our body become metabolically more optimized, it'll produce more energy from less, but then your body's natural healing process will start to kick in. And then this is where the conversation on um, principles of autophagy or autophagy, however you want to pronounce that, where your body's natural cellular cleansing process, where your body's naturally eating up old debris. It's naturally metabol. It's it's in um, what's the word I'm looking for? Endogenously metabolizing like old protein deposits that otherwise would just get globbed on to to cells or globbed on to different parts of the body, like the kidneys, and then they would get stuck. When our body is not processing a large amount of, of calories or food material, it goes into deeper levels of healing, and that's the intermittent process. Um, and then we're also able to produce a tremendous amount of growth hormone and androgen hormones, whether that's progesterone for women, that's testosterone for men, blood sugar starts to balance out, insulin levels start to normalize out, um, and, and many other benefits as well. So that's, but that's the number one principle that I want to just highlight is calorie restriction in the form of intermittent fasting or cyclic fasting 
if somebody has already been doing intermittent fasting for a long time, they can do go into what's called cyclic fasting, which is where you pretty much are fasting all day long and you have one solid meal. Your first caloric intake is that one solid meal. And that might sound extreme to a lot of people, and that would be extreme for a lot of people. I don't recommend you start there. But there are amazing human beings on the planet like Dr. Noon Amin-Ra, who is the world record holder in deadlifts. And he's like a, he's like a freak of nature. If you, you look up his YouTube videos, it's like, oh, my God. Like it's hard. To, it's like, wow, someone like this actually exists. He's, completely, he's been vegan for 15 years, and, he's all, and he eats like 15 – 1500 calories a day he's been doing this for like 15 years and he's obnoxiously muscular it's 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 like kind of a paradigm shift so one has to just be open to but that's what i mean by metabolic mastery is that a being like that is able to through discipline through consistency through finding out what works best for them because that's not going to work best for everyone especially there's a lot of women out there might be listening to this and wondering, you know, is that going to work for me? Probably not. But I just I just put that out there so people know what's possible. Yeah, I just I kind of laughed while I when you said liquidarian because I never heard that uh, phrase before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's true. Like when you uh, like say I've done juice fasting before or whatnot, you start detoxing. You know, like I would start getting mm-hmm. headaches on on day one because yep. you do go into that that autophagy where your uh, you know your body finally has since it's not spending all this energy digesting food, it finally has some energy to get to other tasks like detoxing your body and cleaning up all this extracellular debris that you were talking about. It's really important to do. It's absolutely important. And and I'm so thank you for bringing that up. That's this. And so that's the second phase of this, right? That's the other part of um, that's the other part of longevity. What what's being figured out is that detoxification is largely more important than just nutrition. And I think that's a really important just statement. And that was important for me to hear that statement because when I, I heard that, I was like, wow, I've been focused for so long on what I'm putting into my body but I'm not being hyper considerate of what I'm expelling out of my body or what is what I need to actually detoxify from my body. And I love what Dr. Brian Clement said in a, in a recent interview that we did together where he said that you basically need to be cleansing and detoxing as a lifestyle. It's like 24 seven now because of the world we live in. And most of the toxicity like radiation, for example, you can't see it. You can't smell it, you can't, and you can't taste it. The only way you can detect it is with a Geiger counter. And that's pretty much what's going on with most of this stuff. So just because we can't see it or we can't perceive it, we can't taste it, doesn't mean that we're not taking it in all the time. And I say that not to scare people. I say that to to empower people that we, we have all the solutions available to us. It's like... Um, in the Charles Dickens book, The Tale of Two Cities, when you open up that book, it says that it was the worst of times and the best of times all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like no matter, and I think that's why you do shows like this and, and everyone that comes on your show has a mission like this is because we need to know what the problem is, but then we also know that wrapped within the problem is the seed of its very solution. So 
so talking about that, cleansing, cellular cleansing is so important because, yeah, when you do do a juice fast or you do a water fast or even when you change your diet, for some people, um, when you switch into like higher living food or even if somebody goes like vegetarian or vegan for 30 days as an experiment, they're going to they might have some things come up. They might feel amazing for a while. But then there's always that point where where somebody can hit the shock zone if they're minimizing all their calories, they're minimizing all their food then the body goes into like this metabolic shock that we call like a Hertzheimer syndrome or a healing crisis. And then that's when detoxification um, tools become super important. So what I always recommend for people is nowadays, if you're going to do a juice cleanse, you don't do a juice cleanse by itself. You need to actually have chelation utilities in place. You need to have detoxification tools in place to sponge up all the debris that's going to be churned up, right? When you when you go into like a niacin flesh, for example, that's a popular one that I like to recommend sometimes. Um, and niacin, like vitamin B three, the flesh, the fleshing the fleshing, not niacinamide, but the fleshing vitamin B three, which we call niacin, it breaks open the cells, the fat cells, and spills out all the toxins that get concentrated in the fat cells, the toxins start to spill out into the blood. And once that happens, those toxins become bioreactive or, or um, um, uh, what's the word like I'm looking for? Like oxidative? Yeah, they become, they become, um, they become uh, active, let's just say, in mm-hmm. the body. So like where they were encased in the fat cell, they were like insulated. Yes. And now they become, now they're spilling out into the blood and in and, and your body... Um, starts to react to that. And it, it can retoxify somebody. I've seen a lot of people do a lot of detox programs where they didn't have certain things in place to sponge up the toxins when they're when they're spilling over and they retoxify themselves and get really sick. Yeah, I think that's the biggest mistake that people make when detoxing is they'll take all different kinds of things without really knowing what they're doing. Or even like a friend of mine, uh, she lost 100 pounds and she did an amazing job with that kind of discipline, but she ended up developing a cyst at the base of her spine because she had so many toxins being released from her fat cells that her body had to form a cyst to to encapsulate all of those things. And wow. yeah, so you have to be very careful when you're detoxing or having rapid weight loss. All those toxins are in our, are in our, in our fat and that's a protective mechanism. People that are overweight or can't lose weight, your body is protecting you by putting all your toxins in your fat. Mm, that oh my gosh, that's such an important point. I'm so glad you spoke into that because that that is what's going on, right? Like, so when someone has has a um, a cancer situation, they they are overweight, like you said, even like diabetes, or or a great example is um, cancer is pretty good example, but a good example I'm thinking of is like an infection. Like if somebody has a parasite infection or they have a candida infection, a lot of times people are very quick to go the allopathic route, meaning like just cut, burn, poison, let's just kill, kill, kill. It's like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. Like that's, first of all, that's a living organism that's in you. We call it infection and it's feeding off certain things in your body. And paradoxically, it could be saving you. Because you, because it, because the only reason that somebody has um, a, a acute infection, like a virus, a bacteria, a parasite, 
fungal infection is because their internal terrain is toxic and it's suitable for those organisms, those opportunistic organisms to actually live in. But if you terrain modify, you change the oils, so to speak, you change the internal terrain and you alkalize and you oxygenate the body and you remineralize it, you lower the sugar typically because they're feeding on on sugar and other things that, that cause the fermentation, then it starts to become inhospitable or, or inhabitual, inhabitual, inhabit, <laughs> you know the word I'm looking Inhabitable. For. Thank you. <laughs> yes. It becomes inhabitable to these organisms and then they can't actually live in it. So it's like we have to change our model of like this, this um, like allopathic, like antibioticizing everything kind of model because that can be very dangerous too. Yeah, it's interesting. I had a point there. I did a podcast with Dr. Dietrich Klinghart and we talked about how uh, uh, toxic metals will promote parasites in your body because mm -hmm. those parasites in candida, if any of you guys have had infections like that and have tried to treat them and they've come back, it's because they're serving a purpose. They're eating metals in your body. Your body is allowing them to proliferate because they consume five, six times their body weight in metals. And when you kill them they die and then release all those metals in your body so right. you, you have to detox metals and address parasites uh, simultaneously yeah and I, I love this train of thought where we're definitely bouncing back and forth on on this for sure like and yeah that's the number one thing with candida that i've seen is actually um mercury toxicity methyl mercury off gassing from mercury amalgam fillings um, yeah, I mean that that's a huge so that so that brings it back full circle to the original point right of of this basic idea of cellular cleansing, which to me really is about um, it's about uh, extraction and chelation methods. So very quickly what I'll just kind of lay out my favorite ones, which is activated charcoal is the number one thing that I, I typically find myself recommending to people because it's super easy. It's inexpensive and it may be the most powerful thing to immediately um, to immediately um, bind onto these heavy metals and these other positively charged components, these toxins, if you will, and even metabolites of certain organisms and start to take and start to shuttle that stuff out of the body. So, you know, it has a magnetic charge, so it, it adsorbs things. So it has a so it has a negative charge which which uh, magnetically pulls in positively charged, which we can call like acid-based or toxic toxic elements or or materials onto itself, and it will naturally shuttle those things out of the detoxic detoxification portals. Um, things like zeolites are really powerful. Zeolite clay, especially for radiation. Um, things like all, all different types of clays, like bentonite clay is amazing. Um, things like diatomaceous earth, I'm thinking of, is really powerful. Things like chlorella, you know, like chlorella is an amazing chelation um, component. And it's an amazing protein-rich uh, single-celled algae that people can take to actually like if somebody so for example if somebody's doing a juice cleanse 
and let's say they do like 16 ounces or 32 ounces of juice or something, what I'll actually have people do is take one tablespoon of chlorella and put that into their juice. So now they're actually nourishing themselves with the right protein that they need, the other the other um, powerful components that are in chlorella, the growth factors that are in it, and then also they're detoxifying at the same time. And I think this is really the important thing when we talk about calorie restriction, we're not talking about nutrient restriction. That's so important because a lot of people, and I've seen in the raw food where I've seen the craziest of the crazy things go on, like where people literally go so far off the deep end on fasting that they completely disassociate from their body and they they just think like okay like i'm a breatharian now like i don't eat anything at all <laughs> it's like whoa okay hold on now we're starting to go a little you know it's starting to go across the deep end and um or or people literally will cleanse so much they'll get so obsessed about cleansing that they that they they're convinced it's almost like a pathological thing in the mind where somebody gets so um, wrapped up in cleansing because they're so scared of the world around them and their food supply that they'll be on a perpetual cleanse and they'll start stripping minerals from their body um, because they're detoxing so much. So there's, there's a balance to that. We want to be nourishing ourselves with what we need to build our body as well as, as, as applying these designer detox strategies at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you definitely can go overboard, and but you do, um, and I like what you said about uh, doing detox as a lifestyle, um, because that's what my main message to my audience as well is because if, just because you're doing a detox program for 30 days or a year or two years or what have you, you're still constantly being exposed to toxins in the air, food, and water every day, and so you really want to be uh, consistent in your efforts, but also give yourself a break sometimes because um, it's just that's the reality of modern life today whether people like it or not or it's kind of depressing <laughs> it is kind of depressing when you think about it but you also have so much control there's so many things that you can do which is why i have guests like you on the show to give people lots of different ideas about things that they can do to take control of their health and feel better um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, adaptogenic herbs so cool. what are some of the, the newest discoveries that you've learned in kind of the realm of tonic herbs and adaptogens? So these are something things that I use in my life and are really, really helpful to manage stress and other issues. Totally. Yeah, I, I love this topic. And, and for everyone, everyone out there, um, there, there's kind of two different types of herbalism. There's tonic herbalism, and then there's what's called inferior herbalism or medicinal herbalism. So in like Taoist circles, uh, traditional Chinese medicine and Taoist herbalism, there's two different schools of thought. And so tonic herbalism is basically the most powerful herbs that's ever been discovered um, in the Chinese system. This is true for Ayurveda as well of um, herbs that can be done every single day and don't have like a toxic limit, don't have um, a, a threshold where if you do too much, you're going to have like a liver issue or something. You're going to get sick. Um, those are tonic herbs. They can be done every single day like food. And then there's um, medicinal herbs, which you do typically, um, you do respond or reactively, meaning if somebody has a symptom, they have a cold or they have a, um, 
uh, something going on, infection, for example, then you do it. Um, you do it in response to the symptom. You do it symptomatically. Um, but you don't do it all the time because if you do it all the time, it's going to actually create a burden on the liver because there are subtle alkaloids in there that um, can be liver toxic in the wrong concentration. Those are things like garlic and milk thistle and echinacea and some of these more powerful things that you would do um, if somebody was sick or dealing with a, a condition. So I just want to get that out of the way. So tonic herbs or um, things that are highly adaptogenic, like reishi mushroom and shaga mushroom, all the medicinal mushrooms that a lot of your listeners have probably heard about. I'm a huge fan of those, have been for many years. I actually attribute my immune system largely to medicinal mushrooms. Let's do, let's break some of those down a little bit. So what are some of the benefits of each, like some of your favorite mushrooms? What are some of the benefits yeah. of those and how should people use them? Cool, great question. So um, the medicinal mushrooms are really like a, a category of what we call like noble mushrooms. They're not like the portobello mushroom, like the, um, it's called the agaricus bisporus. It's, you know, like the button mushroom or, or those more common mushrooms. These are like a completely different genetic, um, a genetic species, but we call them mushrooms. So reishi mushroom, for example, has the most scientific research of any herb that's ever been studied in the world. It's the most fascinating among scientists that study this work. And it's, it's an incredible adaptogen. And what that means is that it's able to modulate our stress response, which I find so fascinating why these things have become so popular in literally the most stressed out point in human history that's ever occurred. Uh, and and these things come in full circle because they help us modulate or to adapt to various forms of stress. So whether that's mental stress, emotional stress, physiological stress, um, stress from detoxification, kind of like we mentioned before, it helps to modulate that cortisol stress response and just allows us to just relax, really. I mean, that's kind of the basic idea is that it's allowing the system to relax and normalize. And then it's also immunomodulatory. So what that means is that it modulates the immune system. And this is why the medicinal mushrooms in particular, reishi and chagra um, and agaricus bispora, or agaricus blasii, I mean, the most have been studied for their effects on autoimmune conditions. Because an autoimmune condition, um, basically, and there's different there's different kind of mechanisms for different types, but it's basically um, an immunological condition where the immune system is hyper stimulated, and it's it's kind of attacking certain areas of the body that it deems as a foreign organism or as or as a foreign invader, something that needs to be neutralized and eliminated. But there's like, it's a confused immune response basically, right? And so what the immunomodulators like the reishi and the shaga do is they help to bring down an overstimulated uh, immune system and homeostatically bring it into equilibrium. If the immune system is compromised and it's brought down, like in the case of, of any kind of infection or cancer or something like that, 
where the immune system is like non-existent. It's just like on its, it's, it's like flatlining. It will help to bring the immune system up into balance. So no matter where the immune system is, whether it's hyper, hyper, it's hyper or typo, it'll bring it into balance naturally. That's kind of the basic idea with that. There's a lot of other amazing benefits that come along with these mushrooms. Um, but those are the two that I think are, are of, of universal importance um, among you know the population as a whole. Yeah, I bought some uh, chaga powder. <laughs> I've been putting that in the smoothie occasionally, which mm-hmm. is it's really, really nice. So what are some of the benefits of chaga mushrooms? Yeah, so chaga mushroom, um, very similar to reishi in, in kind of the points that I mentioned. Chaga has its own unique kind of legend and lore and, and thing that's going on. Chaga mushroom is one of the most studied herbs when it comes to cancer, actually. And what's interesting when you think, like, I always, I always kind of defer to, like, ancient wisdom because when it comes to herbalism, because they didn't have Wikipedia, they didn't have Google. They, this is, we're talking about a 5,000 year old system of medicine, which is basically intuitive wisdom. They literally had to intuit an experiment based on what they found in the forest um, and figure it out from there. And um, so reishi and shaga are considered the king and the queen on the chessboard when it comes to herbalism. Shaga mushroom has powerful effects. It has preventative and also, um, and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to refrain from using the word healing, but um, um, preventative. Reverse, reverse, yeah, prevent. Yeah, reverse, prevent. It has powerful effects on healing the cellular integrity that may have been damaged by a mutation of some sort, if you catch my drift. Um, and it has anti, very powerful antiviral, anti-mutagenic um, uh, components. So it's, so it's very important if somebody has, again, if somebody has an immune system compromised it's usually because there's some type of infection, there's some type of organism present in the system that's that's siphoning off energy, and that causes the, the compromise. The immune system eventually becomes dulled out and becomes lulled to sleep. And then once the immune system goes down, then these organisms can pretty much siphon energy from our from our system. And then that's when these big issues start to actually reveal themselves through symptoms. Um, so it has a powerful kind of holistic effect as an adaptogen, as an immunomodulator, immunobooster, if you need that, and very powerful anti-pathogenic effects. Yeah, I think that's something that's really, really important today is to take certain kinds of supplements like adaptogenic herbs that have anti-mutagenic effects because there are so many toxins in our environment, especially cadmium, which causes more cancers and all the other metals combined. Um, that That's what it does. When a cell divides, it causes the DNA to mutate and not divide properly. It interferes in that process. You get these mutated cells and we need a strong immune system to kill them. And it's really helpful if you take uh, selenium and uh, mushrooms and other things to help to, uh, that have these anti-mutagenic properties uh, to, to help heal our bodies. 
Totally. And, and what's really great about this is that there's an entire strategy pretty well worked out. I worked a lot of this out in my newest book, The Inner Alchemy Youthing Program, which deals largely with the conversation of longevity, of anti-aging or graceful aging, as I like to call it, because people are convinced that they're never going to die. And I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the best uh, model of reality to operate with. I'm pretty sure that all of us, our time will come. But will we have lived our fullest life and will we have lived our most pain-free and fullest expression of our life? And, um, and also, what are the possibilities for life extension? And, and how long can we live? Like, I really believe, like, because of where science is taking us, merging with the wisdom to use science appropriately and all these different things that we're figuring out, such as this conversation, the possibilities for how long we can live are pretty extraordinary. And I'm really interested in the conversation if we're really living our purpose and we match that with vital physical, mental health, then maybe we can choose when we want to duck out, when we want to, when we want to turn it off. You know, my, my whole, my, my idea is like, I want to live to at least 300. And, and I'm going to, you know, that's my goal. And I figure, I feel like if you have a big enough goal, you know, you can shoot for the stars and hit the moon and you're still way better off than you were before. Wait a second. My goal is only 110. Am I shortchanging myself? <laughs> I, well, I feel, I feel like as I feel like what's interesting about goal setting is that when you get closer to the goal, you're just like, okay, you kind of extend it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I do, I do honestly feel like a big part of longevity is about our goals because it gives us something to live for. And, um, I, you know, we can talk a lot about the food and a lot about the supplements and a lot about the health practices because those are essential and we cannot forget about having a vision for our life. Yeah, I think detoxification plays a big role in helping people to achieve their life purpose. Mm. Because when you're walking around with low energy and brain fog or, or illness, it's very difficult for you to envision having goals that you can com complete. And, and I had this issue as well. I, I, I had at one point, I wanted to get a master's degree. And at that time I was so brain fogged and was having so many problems remembering words and articles that I had read. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, to accomplish that even though where, where I would have been able to easily in the past. And so I think people end up kind of shortchanging themselves and uh, living kind of lives of quiet desperation and hopelessness because their bodies aren't working how they're supposed to because of toxins. And in lifting that veil of, you know, removing toxins from your body and eating a better diet and whatnot and addressing EMF in your environment, that's a huge stressor in our body. You can start lifting that brain fog, improving your energy, and that opens you up to more possibilities in meeting your goals and, and creating your life purpose and living your life purpose. No, so perfectly said. I couldn't have said that any better. Yeah, and so let's talk about hormones. So um, this is something that um, our ladies, we have like 80% female listeners, um, okay. that they're all struggling with. And so many people today are producing low levels of hormones, even getting into their 20s and 30s. And uh, this is not normal. So how do hormones play a major role in the aging process? And what, we can, what can we do to create hormonal harmony? Hormonal harmony. I, I use that word all the time. 
Um, yeah, okay, cool. So the best place to start, I think, on this subject is such a big subject, but it can be very simplified for basic understanding. Um, over the last 70 years, we have really, we have spewed like 77,000 identifiable chemicals into our environment. And we've talked, we've already done a lot, a big number on environmental toxins. But just for people to understand, a large amount of that toxicity is endocrine disrupting toxicity, meaning that our endocrine system, which produces our hormonal harmony, is being um, compromised. It's being dramatically attacked and, and, and our hormones are being suppressed by other hormone mimicking chemicals, typically estrogenic chemicals. So that, that's so xenoestrogens, for example, in plastics and phthalates and plasticizers and any kind of petrochemical um, type of thing. Like plastic is the number one is the number one thing that I, I try to urge people to get off of. If you want to make the biggest change in, in a lifestyle, if somebody's drinking like plastic bottled water or something like that, you absolutely have to get rid of that right away. Um, because if you think about the plastic bottle that is underneath the false lighting inside your grocery store, that plastic bottle has been that water that's sitting in that plastic bottle could have been there for literally years. And when they blow the plastic up and make those plastic bottles, it's known that that thing needs to be sitting there for at least a year without anything in it for it not to, to, to be safe from leaching the plastic particulates. And right when they blow those plastic bottles up, they're filling it up with water. Water's a solvent, so it's going to dissolve into itself those plastic particulates. And then now it's getting beat down by the, the, the lighting of the, the artificial light in the store or wherever, whatever it's sitting under. And then when we drink that, we're literally drinking um, plastic-infused water. And then that's throwing off the hormones tremendously. Um, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, rodenticides, algicides, insecticides, all that stuff rhymes with suicide and homicide. And that's, <laughs> and that's basically all the chemical warfare that's going on with our food supply. So what does that mean? We got to go organic. Like that's number one. We absolutely have to go organic. We got to make the investment. That's the thing I, I just, I want to drive in that is like, you got to make the investment Everyone listening to this, you are worth it. You're worth more than your plastic credit card. You're worth more than, than um, whatever the excuse not to go organic is. Um, we got to do that, number one. And then from there, um, about the hormones, the way I look at hormones is like it's like a symphony, Right. That's the easiest way to, for me to try to get this across to people very quickly is that it's like a symphony. So if you have an orchestra and you have you typically you have your lead singer, right, like the star of the show. And then you have like your one and two kind of backup spread. And then you have the conductor who's kind of leading the whole orchestra. Well, when you have your lead, which in a man is testosterone. Or in a woman, it's progesterone, right? Those are like the leading androgen. And I don't mean androgen colloquially like as in male hormone. I mean it as in, in the most important euthening hormone 
from an anti-aging perspective. So androgens and estrogens, we'll kind of break that up. The androgen um, or the dominant euthening hormone in a woman is progesterone. In a man, it's testosterone. Now you have your backup set, which are like the various forms of estrogens. It's the thyroid hormones. It's the human growth hormone. It's the, the vitamin D hormone, which, yes, vitamin D is the most powerful pretty much the most powerful hormone of them all, but it, it, it supports everything else, right? It's the supportive hormone. It's one of the supportive hormones that makes everything else kind of come alive. Now, what's interesting in this example is that if you have a backup singer that gets it in their mind that they need to actually be the lead singer, and they start they start muscling their muscling their way up to the front, up to the spotlight, what ends up happening is they push out the lead, which is like testosterone or progesterone. So you you typically an estrogen dominant situation, which is like an estrogen inflation of the wrong types of estrogen that gets its way into the front. It pushes out the lead singer. And then that's how we have an inversion of our hormones. Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and I think throw in their liver dysfunction that metabolizes excess yes. hormones, and then you had this, you know, this uh, you're just ripe for for disaster where you have this estrogen dominant environment. Totally, and you did, and you just piece that other part together, which is the liver, how the liver's role in detoxifying these false or xenoestrogens. That's where it gets channeled through. Like everything has to go through the liver, and actually the hormones gets synthesized through the liver, through the, the HPA and T, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal thyroid axis. All of it has to go through the liver. So if we have like a fatty liver or something's wrong with our liver function, liver gallbladder issue, then A, we're not going to be detoxifying these, these chemicals that we've talked about. And then also our hormones are just not going to get synthesized appropriately. So doing like somebody might have to do like a liver cleanse but my the basic thing I, I have to say about this is these things that we brought in like the activated charcoal the bentonite clays or the zeolite micronized clays um uh even the niacin things of this nature that people can that i recommend people research people actually look up if you heard a term that i just said that's interesting to you actually look it up there's a million different articles online about this kind of thing. But that's where the detoxification element comes into play with this conversation is that it's part it's partly detoxification, detoxing all the fake false hormone like the the estrogen mimickers and then also if somebody does have a low level of hormones, it's it's boosting those hormones naturally. And that's another that's a big conversation um I'm not, I'm not really a fan of HRT, hormone replacement therapy. Um, synthetic hormones are dangerous. If you're dealing with something like testosterone, unless you're like a 70-year-old man and you have bone density issues and you need that quick, that, that's when it, it can be really important. Or you have like an MMA athlete who's just like, you know, he's like 45 years old and he wants to get back in the octagon or something. Like that's when like, something like that might be necessary and then bringing someone into balance. But I'm really a fan of 
natural foods, herbs, natural supplements that are that endogenously produce the hormones and hormone precursors so our body naturally produces the right ratio of hormones because hormones have to it's like a dance right like you can't just have testosterone up here and then you have your other hormones kind of just down here because then that we know the issues with that right so they all have to be in communication together and it's uh, my understanding of hormones is is really about ratio more than just one thing over another so you know that's a, a really interesting conversation because so many people today have issues with their hormones and when they go to their doctor and they start you know complaining about fatigue and brain fog and low libido um, their doctor tests their blood for their hormones oh lo and behold everything's low let's put you on some hormone replacement therapy that and you have to look at who you're speaking to that's the only thing they got that's the only tool in their toolbox that they have. So you need to have some awareness uh, around that and uh, look at who you're speaking to. They're typically, unless they're a, like a really brilliant functional medical doctor, not going to be talking about diet or supplements or detoxification and completely missing the boat. So you yep. can't just cover up your symptoms with a Band-Aid like hormone pl replacement therapy. There's always a, a, a cost to that and you have to do a cost benefit analysis and for that making that decision is going to be different for every person but i definitely do not recommend hormone replacement therapy at all yeah and and there's a great distinction on that because there's two points about hormones that that are coming up as you mentioned that one is bioidentical hormones are different than synthetic hormone replacement therapy right bioidentical hormones is very effective and and I definitely recommend it for a lot of people in certain situations in the form of like yam-based progesterone cream. So a bioidentical hormone is a type of compound that's biologically identical to your natural progesterone receptor or testosterone receptor or whatever whatever have you, right? So like progesterone cream i've seen work miracles yeah i'm a fan of progesterone that's a, a, a yeah. totally safe one that one i am a yeah. fan of the other ones i typically think of hormone replacement therapy most doctors only give estrogen or only give testosterone that's the problem yeah yeah and there's a whole lot of weird stuff going on with like female horse urine as an estrogen replacement and it's like whoa okay now we're going like we're getting a little crazy here uh, and there's all kinds of issues there but um the second thing i wanted to make sure that i mentioned about this is the conversation about aromatization and this is to me the most important part of hormones it's why we have hormone havoc actually so aromatization simply put is a process where our good hormones get converted into bad hormones or or the wrong types of estrogen like estri estradiol or the wrong kind of estrone or in the wrong ratios so for example if you look at a hormone panel test and somebody has low um it's a good example like low testosterone that doesn't necessarily, and, and there's different types of testosterone, but for simplicity's sake, if somebody has low testosterone and they have high estrogen, the danger, if somebody is like, oh, you, you just immediately, they think like one plus one equals two. So you need more testosterone to make testosterone. What ends up happening with a lot of people is that they, their estrogen goes up because they're aromatizing 
they're re-estrogenating that testosterone and it's going down a different pathway. So that testosterone is very volatile and it's not being held in place. It's not able to be held in the receptor. It's being redistributed into estrogen. And this is a huge thing with certain types of cancer, like secondary sex um, uh, cancers like breast cancer and, and prostate cancer and things of that nature. It's actually an aromatization issue. Um, and so having things like estrogen blockers or aromatase inhibiting herbs and supplements becomes a very important foods. There's a lot of foods that naturally do this is a very important understanding because when we're talking about like, this is how I'll say it. Nutrition and health is a riddle. It's actually a riddle that each person has to be actively decoding for themselves. It's not, it, nature doesn't reveal its secrets freely. It doesn't just give it to you. You actually have to be a little sophisticated in the way you think about your body because that's how we, that's how pharmaceutical consciousness kind of lends itself or supplement consciousness, whatever you want to think of it, where we just think that we're going to take this pill, it's going to solve our problems, or we're going to get this injection, and it's going to solve our problems. And it doesn't really work like that. Um, and I am happy to give you examples to make this very practical for people to connect this bridge of like what foods or what herbs I might recommend for this. Yeah, please. Yeah, because I think people, the listeners would love some um, some practical tips uh, yeah. on like what kinds of foods and whatnot can help them balance their hormones naturally as much as they can. Okay, cool. Thank you. So um, the best foods, like just basic foods, and, uh, and remember, when I say balanced hormones, I'm speaking generally because certain people are going to have certain unique things. But from an aromatization perspective, berries are extremely important. Having a full spectrum of colors in your diet is very, very important. So like blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, um, goji berries are actually really powerful. Goji berries are the number one food in a precursor for human growth hormone. And this has been known in Chinese medicine for a long time. So that's pretty interesting, I think. And that's what uh, everybody wants. We all want more, yeah. <laughs> more of the effects of human growth hormone, like uh, better fat burning and more muscle tone. You sleep better. Really great effects with that. Yeah, and that's why in Chinese medicine, goji berry or lyceum is their number one herb because their number one longevity herb because it's the number one food in lithium for that's like your happy happy mineral for the brain makes people happy um and then it's also the number one um human growth hormone promoting food in their system anyway so um so there's that then there's also grapes so getting more specific grapes the resveratrol in grapes we know we've heard a lot about resveratrol being a longevity um compound turns out that resveratrol is also an aromatase inhibiting compound as well and the more of these compounds that you can stack up in your body the better so so I'll just kind of go through a list of what those are. Lemons, like um, citrus fruit, lemons and limes have a lot of what's called neurogenin, which is also an aromatase inhibiting compound. And then there's a lot of other things going on with, with lemons in particular. I just tell people if you're going to do juicing, juice like two lemons per juice. 
It's especially if you have inflammation, chronic aches and pains, the citric acid and the, the anti-inflammatory properties of lemons are powerful. Um, chamomile, chamomile tea has a lot of quercetin in it. Um, passion flower. I, I have to, I have to mention passion flower as an herb. Um, typically the alcohol extract of passion flower has the most, um, has the most powerful effect. It's the chrysin in the passion flower that has the powerful anti-aromatase, um, effects. And that may be the most powerful thing. There's a huge association with female hormones in particular, um, in passion flower. It's kind of like, and it's an intuitive thing that a lot of women pick up on, but it's that chrysin and chrysin is also testosterogenic. So there's a lot of research in the bodybuilding world about taking chrysin, um, chrysin supplements, isolated supplements, uh, or pharmaceuticals to boost testosterone. But really what it does, it's not really that it's, it doesn't, it's not a precursor for testosterone. Your testosterone or progesterone, depending on your gender, will naturally come into balance if you sort out the aromatization part. If that part gets sorted out, then it's amazing what happens. Like you don't actually need to take too many um, precursor boosting things for that particular hormone. If the aromatization piece is worked out, your hormones naturally will come back up. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so tell the listeners where they can find you, learn more about you, any like books or programs that you have. Sure. Yeah. So, um, everybody could, uh, if you want to check out my books, um, I have two books out right now. The holistic health mastery program was my first book. And then my more recent book is the inner alchemy youthening program, which goes much deeper into the topics that we've kind of just, um, hopscotched around today. And then I have an online holistic nutrition certification course called the holistic health mastery program. And the website for that is holistichealthmastery.com. My personal website is ronnylandis.net. And uh, I have my own podcast in, in called the, the Holistic Health and Human Potential Show. People can look up, and we definitely want to get you as a guest on that as well. ASA. I would love to. Awesome. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and that's the, in YouTube and social media. Okay, great. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. That was such an engaging conversation. I love having guests like you on the show so we can top sh talk shop, talk detox, which is my favorite topic. Awesome. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. You can check me out at live2110.com. You can check out my detox program at mineralpower.com. If you like what you heard on the show today, please leave a review on iTunes so we can reach more people and help as many people as possible. That's why we're doing the show. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast. 